0: Amen. So, if I was to ask each of you to name some famous characters in the Bible, I don't think it would take very long before the name Jonah came up. And we know a lot about a very few days in the life of Jonah. We know how God told him to arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come before me, as said in Jonah 1-2. We know how Jonah disobeyed God and fled to Tarshish. We know about the boat, the raging winds, the casting of lots, the tossing of Jonah overboard, and the great fish that just happened to be in the right place at the right time. We know how God preserved Jonah in the belly of that fish for three days and three nights until Jonah finally prayed and God had the uh, fish vomit Jonah out on the shore. To go even further, we know Jonah was a reluctant preacher to the Ninevites. He knew and feared that God is a God of compassion and mercy, and Jonah just didn't want God to spare Nineveh for any reason. And so that's the that's the stage that's set up, and I think an awful lot of the time in my life, I've focused on, on Jonah, and today I want to talk a little bit about the Ninevites and their reaction to it, because I think it might reflect a little bit on where we are today. So, let's walk through Nineveh with Jonah for a few minutes, and let's look at how God spoke through this angry, disgruntled, minor prophet to produce one of the greatest revivals of all time, if not the greatest. So, perhaps it'll give us some insight into how God might bring another revival before Christ's return. See Jonah walking through the city crying out, Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Eight words spoken by a person who hated the listeners, the Ninevites who were hearing it, who did not want God to spare the city or the individuals and something that changed the city in magnificent ways. If you look at the message, Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overturned. This is a hellfire and brimstone message. There's no sugarcoating. There's no offer of pardon. There's nothing but a promise of destruction. And here's Jonah, he doesn't give an invitation. He doesn't offer a solution. He's not trying to encourage them to change at all. He's just delivering a message, delivering the word of God that he was told to give them. And then he sits down and wants to watch them be destroyed. And then we have the people. Jonah 3.5, it says, Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast, and they put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. That's what we're supposed to do when we hear the Word of God. We're supposed to believe and then act upon it. And these people did it, and notice that this happened, that this movement was led, really, by God speaking through lay people just like they did in the 1850s with Jeremiah Lamphere. And then it says, when the leaders in Jonah 3.6, when the words reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth and ashes, but it doesn't stop there. This, this king issues a proclamation and it said, in Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, Do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing, in other words, fast. Do not let them eat or drink water. But both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth. And let men call on God earnestly, that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence that is in his hands. The the ruler realized that God was their only hope. And verse 9 is one of the most amazing quotes from a ruler ever. He just says, who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. And in verse 10, when God saw their deeds, that they had turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. Think about that city of 120,000 people experiencing a citywide revival, and it's not the result of any man. It's just the opposite. The preacher there wanted Nineveh destroyed. Instead, it was done exclusively by God. It was a true heaven-sent Holy Ghost revival that changed the life of the people in Nineveh. Secondly, it started from the bottom up. I think much like a lot of the people on this call, the people of Nineveh began to believe and began to beg for mercy in the eyes of the Lord. Third, when the leaders got involved, they took it seriously and called for strong action on the part of the people, including donning sackcloth and fasting. You now the leaders hoped they didn't have any way of controlling what the people would do, but they hoped that the people would turn from their wicked ways. And they called out to God and asked ask uh, that they would follow God earnestly. And fourth, they did all this without any promise of mercy or salvation for their city. They just hoped that God would see their genuine sorrow and mercy or, and repentance and have mercy on them. And then finally, as I said, it worked. God saw they were sincerely sorrowful and were repenting of their sins and wickedness and God delivered them in their day. And that's how I believe it's gonna happen in our time. We need to receive God's message of pending doom and destruction. It's all over the place. The signs are going by as fast as we can see them. It's all over the word of God, repent or perish and we see our sins and we know that. They then believed God's message and they became desperate enough to repent and turn to God even before the rulers knew what was happening. To me, that also means that they acted on it. I think a lot of us see what's happening, we believe what's going to happen, but we don't want to be part of the solution. We hide from it. We're not. We're not as desperate as these people were. And then once the people did it, the rulers followed. They were so desperate they knew their only hope was from God, and God needed to forgive them and have mercy upon them. And it wasn't guaranteed, it wasn't deserved, but God's love, His grace, and mercy was in full display as Nineveh was spared. So I share this as an example uh, for all of us as we continue to pray for a movement of God. It reminds us we can't expect revival to come from our government or even our spiritual leaders. It has to come from God and His Word, empowered by the Holy Spirit. There's no other way to explain it. Well, God bless us today as we pray for this revival in our times. Amen.